0: God, thank you so much for this day. Um, Thank you genuinely uh, for the chance to wake up and take a breath and um, the fact that we can be here. Lord, um, your word, part of all this is just that we're in the midst of a war, and because of that, we have an enemy, and the enemy, Lord, has been called many things in your word. You give us names and titles to help us remember things, and Lord, one of the things the enemy uh, is called is the accuser, the accuser of the brethren, Lord, and the voices in our head that tell us that we don't deserve to be here, or that we're too broken, too gone, too far away, unloved, unforgiven, all of those things, God, they don't come from you. And uh, Lord, I pray uh, against those, I pray for hard hearts, I pray that eyes, um, blinders would be removed from eyes, uh, ear earmuffs from ears that we could hear and truly see who you are and uh, what that means for our life in the midst of all of this, so. God, I just pray for the hurting, the broken, the hard-hearted. Um, and I pray for focus for us, that we could be here and be present in this moment. Um, God, God, I'm an imperfect messenger. Not that that needs to be reminded, but I pray people could look past um, my failings and flaws, too, and and look at your perfect word. And I pray you'd help me to preach your word, to preach it well, and I wouldn't get in the way. I give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Are you guys doing today? <laughs> oh, now you want to talk. Anyone need prayer? <laughs> you notice that? Everyone say... <clears throat> They're like... <laughs> I always think it's interesting the times when people will talk and when they don't. You know what I mean? Like, you guys won't respond to direct questions. But if I'm in the middle of a heated moment, like, that's right! Like, you'll yell and get excited then. So, <clears throat> that's the rebels in you. Tough crowd today already. That's going to be rough. <clears throat> hey, we're in the middle of a series. So, if it's first time here or your first time in a while... um called culture wars. Listen, something that we don't talk about a ton, maybe, in Christianity, but we are in a world at war. That's a reality. Uh, We are born into that, okay? We have God, everything good, bright, beautiful. The word calls it the kingdom, right? The kingdom with the true king. And then we have what Scripture calls the domain of darkness. And that's this world we live in. That's the truth. And so when you think of it that way, that this world and this culture is darkness, then it puts into perspective when God calls you to be light, Right? That you are ambassadors of that kingdom, that we are light, and we're called to be that, to stand out. The same with salt, right? He uses salt as a terminology, even though back then it had a little bit even um, more important aspect of their culture, the idea of salt. But we still get it, right? Salt makes things salty. It tastes different. We are supposed to be different. (laughs) And part of that, boy, I hope I don't sniffle too much, guys, but if I do, ignore it. And so that's what we've been talking about, and kind of the idea of how the culture and the domain, how it has influenced the church, how it influences the way we think, how it influences the way we see things, how it influences what we think is true and what isn't, because the reality is, I mean, on the surface, it's easy to talk about the things that contrast or contrasted between the domain of darkness and the kingdom. I could sit up here and just tell you, right, that's, we, we should talk about that every week, but it's hard when it starts mixing with church culture. Because it, just because something becomes accepted by the masses doesn't make it true. Just because something has been accepted by the majority doesn't make it true. In fact, if you want to know a little a secret, according to the way Jesus says, what the way is narrow, right, that leads to life, if the majority is accepting it, that's probably a clue that it's not necessarily the right way. <clears throat> And that's kind of what we've been discussing. How long is this going to go? I don't know. So part of this series, if I'm honest... And I think that's what a lot of people, a lot of leaders want is like, I want to come and kind of punch you in the face with truth, right? Because I'm just a violent, mean guy. No, I'm just kidding. But I want to tell you the truth. I want to I talk about the things, and we did. We, we have already talked about some things that are, ooh, people were nervous to talk about, right? The idea of, whole, of trans stuff, right? Taking and moving and transforming ourselves. It's not just transgender, it's, we talked about transabled, right? The idea that people want to become disabled, so they cut their legs off. And like, what's, that's real. Look it up. So what's becoming normal and what's becoming accepted? But as I've kind of gone through this, what my idea for this series was, God has shifted somewhat, and I try to be obedient to that. So I wanted to come in just swinging hard, aggressive truth at you, Kaylee. But God had a different plan, though it is true. <clears throat> you guys know who knows John three sixteen. <laughs> Fred goes, I know. <laughs> That's the only time he's moved. In. He goes. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that, right? I even remember, I didn't grow up in church, uh, but in f- like fourth grade, I went to some kind of Sunday school thing, and made, that, that day, they made us memorize that, right? The, at least the first part. So I'm going to read this. By the way, I don't know why 17 is not as, as, as big, because 17 to me is just as, as, as awesome or more so than even 16. But let's listen to this. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God loved the world in this way. <laughs> He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, you know what's cool? All you long-term Christians, I already know. You stopped listening as soon as I said, for God loved the world, and you're going, I can't wait for my burrito later. Because you already know all this, right? So I'm going to do what I haven't—I I try to do every couple weeks. Can you just do me a favor today? Can you take off your Christian eyeglasses, you know, the ones that tell you know everything? Pop off your earmuffs that say you know everything, you've heard everything 17 times. Because, again, I've said this before, it's been thousands of years Christianity has been around. If you're waiting for something brand new, there's only so many pages in this Bible, I might as well get off here, you go home, don't ever go to church because you know it all, right? You got to come in expecting no matter how many times you've heard something, that God has something for you. Even if you don't like me, right? Which is easy, very easy to do. <clears throat> Dislike me, that is, not like me. All right, now listen. We're gonna, Stay with me. 1 John 4, 7 through 11, listen to this. Actually, listen and hear and read like you haven't heard it before. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who, who loves has been born of God and knows God. Hmm, go back. Got ahead of me. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Where's, where's love from? We're, there, thanks, man. Raven, don't get angry about it, man. All right, I was just asking. Love is from God, yeah. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay, now you're good. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Boy, I could do a whole thing on that. Because some of you are all not very loving people, but you walk around like, I am the Lord's, and my job is to be the judge and justifier. You're Saul the Avenger. right? The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, that, but he loved us. The thing about that, well, I'll come back. Let's, let's go jump down to verse 14 in, in 1 John. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know, right, those who have put their faith in Jesus, we have come to know and to believe separate things to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So there's a differentiation between knowing that God loves us and believing that God loves us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. So what we see here, if I read that, and even I do this too, you read it and you go, I know God's love. Let's get to some real truth here. When I think about this, and if you think about this, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to offend you. 90% of you don't actually believe this. You know it. Remember, we just said that you know that God is love. You know that God loves you, but your belief in that love, a little more shaky. And I wanted to, but I want you to hear hear these things before I go on. God is love. God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us. The crazy thing about God's love for us, the crazy thing about God's love for you, is you were not worthy when he loved you. You were not good enough. You had already failed, and even in the moments of your worst life, those of you before you knew Jesus, when you were at your grossest, most disgusting sin, in the moments when you... Even to this day, hide from what you've done and who you were. In that moment is when he first loved you. In that moment is when he reached down to grab you. He loved you then. So, if that's true, because we have this weird idea. He only loved you at the beginning, right? He only loved you enough to forgive your sins at the beginning. But once you sinned again after knowing him, the love... mm, Right? If you're like me, the idea is, okay, he kind of said this to me. Hey, I love you enough. I'm going to adopt you and let you come in the house. But don't ever mess up again because there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. What does it say? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him. We have come to know and to believe. Remember that. Know and believe. I'm not doubting that you know. I'm doubting that you believe. Now, you ready to be called out a little bit? You mean to offend some people? Do you want to know how even those of you who fall asleep every week in church, and I'm that guy, whether you come or not, if you don't want to do that, don't fall asleep because I'm going to, right? And there's more than one person, so it isn't just one of you, okay? You don't realize God loves you either because if you did, if you fathomed and believed how much God loved you, you think you'd be snoring in church. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I don't care how many times you've heard it. Me too. You wouldn't do it because it's your opportunity to be with the person that loves you the most. And I already know when you were courting your, your wife, Right, going on a date with your girlfriend, you weren't snoring on that date. Because you ain't getting her, right? You ain't going, mm. you imagine that, ladies? You want a guy like that? We at the romantic dinner, you're like, thank you for taking me out. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. But we do it here. Because we don't believe. And so what it becomes, is it's just words. This is just words. At least for me too, right? Or maybe you believe it for other people. See, that's me. I have no issue believing he loves you. You're incredible people. I can see it. The issue is I know how bad I am, though, right? I know how unlovable I am. So I had a weird week knowing all this. Some of you know it, some of you don't. Some of you are like, this is dramatic. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a newish dad, right? My daughter turns two the 17th, this week, um, my prayer team knows this, this week, I had my first kind of like, we've taken her, we've been very blessed, she went to the ER one time, she had a temperature, but this was different this week, and I won't go through the whole story, though, I'd love to tell you, I come from work, I pick her up, now, if you know my daughter, I don't know where she got this, she is uh, all energy, all the time, okay, Uh, I don't know how to put it into words, passionate, okay, (laughs) all right, She's a, I was going to say violent, but that's not so bad, right? But that's how she is. She's, you'll probably see her out there at some point. She's fleeing, running around, you know, jumping on the ground, screaming. She's just all energy all the time. She does not like to sleep. Weird. I <clears> don't <throat> where she got that either. <clears throat> if you're new here, I don't sleep very well. That being said, that day, uh, come home, and she gets picked up, and I pick her up. And normally, this is like, especially with me, it's playtime all the time. She immediately went to sleep. Like, oh, it's cute. She's going to sleep. I knew something was wrong. That's bizarre, I know. But you know your kid. She went to sleep. It's six o'clock. That's not normal. <laughs> and I won't go into details, but I was like, oh, maybe it's just a nap. But I knew in the moment when I pulled her off and was like, hey, Daisy, wake up. And she was just going, she's unresponsive. So I'm like, okay, we're going to go to the doctor. So we'll get in the car, we're going to go to urgent care. But on the way there, she can't even stay awake. And if you know her, she doesn't like you being put in a, a car seat, right? That is a battle just put in there. Silent, right? Head bobbing, eyes rolling, kind of slurring her speech. We go, she asked <laughs> this tells you she's a fighter. I like this part. We get into the side we're going to the ER. We get to the ER and she goes, "Daddy, walk." Walk. She likes to walk constantly. That's her thing. She this is how again I knew something was wrong. She's not going to be carried for long periods of time. So walk, she's stumbling like a drunk person. She can't she's not walking right. She's a very good walker. She's walked since like six months, okay? That's my brag, but it's true. You don't believe me. Some of you are like, mm, yes, it is true. Got pictures to prove it, okay? <laughs> so she's been stumbling around, <clears throat> passes out in the ER, right? Some of you that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm skipping a lot of it because I don't want to get emotional, you know, but it was a scary thing. <clears throat> and, um, you know having to do all these tests and you know sitting her in a ct scan and like she just lays there like she's in a coma again if you know my daughter she didn't move right i'm serious she didn't move that's terrifying and they don't know what's wrong and like even they i don't know and I'm, i i i really you realize how much of a controller you are in moments when you have no control <clears throat> so had to go back and forth to you know, home to grab some stuff because at this point we're going to be there a while and we have to run all these tests and I'm watching my daughter have to like wake up when she does come to. It's just long enough to be jammed with a needle or all these other things that are happening. And the, the doctors and nurses were awesome. So, you know, I know the, the place in this town can get a bad rap, but they were great to us. Um, but I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought the worst. I did because it was, you don't see, It was bizarre. I mean, she's non-responsive, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, of course, it's like, did you, I don't know, does she have a virus? They don't know. Does she, they got to do a CT? Maybe it's her head, you know, did she hit her head? Did she take some kind of pill that she found, right? Some kind of medicine that's laying around, who knows? But as I'm coming back from home to get this stuff, I'm walking across, and I realize my heart has a lot of issues. I have a lot of issues. And I have a lot of issues with God that I don't want to deal with. Because I found myself the temptation. First, I started to get mad, right? And I do what I've told you guys where I wanted to have this like, I'm gonna tell you, God, right? You wanna, I'm, I'm about to be very transparent with you. Then I wanted to be like, I do this for you. I put up with this stuff for you, right? I let them hate me for you and this is what you're gonna do, right? You should, your mind starts to go there, which is a terrible place to be because again, I tell you guys all the time, he's God. You know, it's like an ant screaming at me. <clears throat> I didn't do it, but I wanted to. Then I start wanting to make a deal, right? You ever do that? In your head, you start to go, hey, if you do this, I'll do this, God. You know, I'll never do this again, or I'll do better here if you just, just don't do this. And even though I didn't say it, there's a part of my heart that was like, if this happens, right? This is so horrible to admit to you guys. I'm done, right? I wanted to say that. Like, that's, I caught it, but that's the stuff in my head. I had these doubts. I had these doubts. Why? Well, it's really simple when I put it together. God does not love Daisy the way that I do. That's, now some of you go, heresy. It's true. If I thought that was the truth, that's not the truth. That's what I believed. That's what I believe. God does not love my daughter the way that I love her. That is the bottom confession to you now. I do not believe he loves her the way that I love her. So then you start thinking through that. I know that's not true, knowing and believing. Why do I think that? Why do I think that I love my daughter better than, than God himself does? Well, there's also, there's also a me part. Well, God doesn't love me that way, right? Well, what else does it mean? This is happening because you did this, Todd, right? You get those, those thoughts because you didn't do that. This is why this is happening. If you had done it right, then this wouldn't happen. It's because when I really boil it down, my view of God's love for me, for Daisy, even, is based on the kind of love I've seen in God's church. I talk to friends. We have a, a group called Lionheart. It's a really intense men's group. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, "I want to be a part of it." I'm like, "No, you don't. You don't. You don't want to be a part of it because it's annoying." I'm going to tell you right now, but and, but part of it is <clears throat> it, it, it's, a very, it's a very intense uh, men's group. And one of the things we kind of notice in our group and a lot of groups is we all like each other and we're buddies, but we, we just had this conversation. This is strange. But like we, we will hang out with people outside of the church more than we will hang out with people inside the church. And the easy answer is it's because you don't want to be held accountable. And there's some truth to that. But when you really boil it down, it's this feeling that everyone said of like, everyone's watching, like I can't be myself with, with these Christians who I know and trust because when they see this part of me, they're not going to want me anymore, whereas my non-saved people, they will. What does that say about our view of love? Non-saved people, unbelievers will love me better than Christians will. So my view of God's love has been tainted And this is the part where people are like, you hate the church. Why? Because they tell the truth? It has been tainted by the church's view of love, which should be the same. Not every church. I'm talking about capital C culture. Right? It's affected my view. It sounds harsh, but it's true. So, of course, how does the church love me in the past? Not everyone Right? Again, the accuser is going to bring up the bad ones. But the people whose love for me was completely contingent on my behavior. When I was good, I was loved. When I messed up, I wasn't. There was a time that I was you know, very popular here. You mess up, you find out the truth. Who really loved you and who loved the benefits of being close to you? When you were popular, yeah? Sounds harsh, but it's true. So today I want to talk about love, but I don't want to talk about the love a husband has for a wife. Don't worry, Christians, I know everything about love. No, you don't, because why in those moments when it's scariest, in the moments when the diagnosis is coming? the moments when the marriage is in trouble, the moments when you lose the job, the moments when you feel in love, the moments when you know you, you feel like uh, the world's against you in the darkest moments. If that's true, then why do you doubt then? Why do you sleep in church? Got you. I just think it's bizarre. You don't have to come. I don't go to your house and go, better come. Right? <laughs> Today we're going to talk about love. <laughs> We're not talking about, no, we're not even talking about how Christians are called to love each other, though, disgustingly, we affect that. And by the way, some of you are like, yeah, well, I think all of us are going to be convicted because every single one of us contribute to it. At least not directly, that's not what we're going to talk about, though it kind of does affect things. Before I keep going on what kind of love we're going to talk about, let me give you a couple of examples of things that I've seen. I'm going to go the other way. I remember a few years ago, and I talked about this in a a long time ago. A few years ago, I went to the Mexican restaurant locally, and I enjoy Mexican food, right? Clearly. And uh, as I'm sitting there, and I remember this distinctly, I see a couple, an older couple, 50s or 60s, probably mid to late 60s, and they had their daughter at lunch with them. Now, the daughter sat with the mother across from the father. From the dad. And this is a true story. The mother, uh, the mother and father were dressed casually but very nice, kind of like your churchy outfits, you know? You all look good, kind of like where you're at right now. <clears throat> but her outfit didn't match, which I, that's part of why I noticed this, because she wore a bright pink bicycle helmet. She had a bicycle helmet on. I know, you're like, what's going on? All right, I, now you get it. Why you look. She had obvious physical and mental disabilities. She couldn't walk really well. She couldn't interact really, you know, physically. But here she was with her parents, all smiles, and her parents sat with her, not self-conscious at all. So the look that we all had of like, why is she wearing a a bright pink bicycle helmet? They didn't pay attention. Because I've seen it the other way, right? You can love, but you feel self-conscious. You're like, oh, is everyone looking at me? They didn't care. (laughs) It was like any normal day. And later on, this is true. She crawled kind of under the table, sort of over-under, if you've ever seen like that, (laughs) kind of both, because she wanted to sit near her daddy, so she went under, and it was all creating this big, like, (sighs) you know, on the chips, and everything's panicking. It wasn't graceful, and it wasn't smooth, but they let her do that, and he smiled all the same. He didn't do the thing that a lot of you dads do because you're too cool. Well, this is embarrassing. And he smiled and let her do that. What kind of love motivates a a couple to be willing to dedicate their lives, their entire lives, because they have to in this case, right, to providing for, caring for, and loving a child that would always be dependent on them and that would never offer them a, a minuscule amount of what they had to offer her? Now everybody's like, that's beautiful. What kind of love does that? I know a woman whose husband cheated on her repeatedly. This is true. Repeatedly, whole life. Who would leave and would come back and would leave and would come back. I watched this woman have three children she had to take care of that she had to provide for. She worked 60, 70 hours a week while still taking care of these children to make sure they had food, clothes, who had to humble herself to ask a store owner if she could work out something to pay for football cards her son wanted. Also, she made sure that they had Gifts under the Christmas tree. She never spoke poorly of the man. This is a true story. Not a singular time of this father. Just so her kids would never think poorly of him. The same woman who years later, when the son who wanted the cards berated her, he shamed her for not divorcing. The dad called her dumb. Her kids did. She calmly looks at them and says, when I said till death do us part, I meant it. If he wants to divorce me, then let him do it. What kind of love motivates that? What kind of love motivates that? I know a set of parents who over and over again watched their child fall into drug addiction. the child's life would eventually crash, they would pick up the pieces. You've heard this, right? But I've I've seen it. They paid for recovery house after recovery house. They never shamed. They never gave up. They never threw in their child's face all that they had done. They just loved and loved and prayed and prayed. And now that child is drug-free and living a full life. What kind of love motivates a parent to do that? It's not, oh, did you know that? If that's the case, we wouldn't have parents. I found this out in the hospital where a mother put fentanyl in a a bottle so that the baby would sleep. What kind of love motivates a group of people to risk their lives to rescue complete strangers? Strangers. Young women, children who are being sold and traded as sex slaves who willingly go into the literal line of fire, not just here in America but in other non-friendly countries to free innocent and hurting people from a life of pain and anguish. Who does that? What motivates that? What kind of love motivates you know, wealthy, influential couple to stand up for someone and stand against an entire community when it doesn't benefit them? See, a lot of you in the room, I'm just going to be honest with you. Your love is just as contingent. Maybe you're the type that's like, well, my love's not contingent on what they can give me, but my love is contingent on what loving them could take away from me. You get that? So, right, some of you, and some of you felt that, right? What I'm saying is, you might love me, even though I don't give you anything, but the moment loving me has a cost to your precious life, woo. I don't want to be associated with that person. Kids, this happens in school all the time. It doesn't change when you're an adult. You know the kids that no one talks to, no one hangs out with, everybody makes fun of? You guys might do it too. You don't hang out with that person because it makes you look bad? Adults do that too. You can change that now. Long ago in a book or a poem, and I actually named a sermon about this years ago. I don't really remember where I heard it. Maybe I made it up and just said that so you guys wouldn't think it's silly. But I heard the idea of something like a furious love. Furious. Jacob, isn't that strange? Angry love. (laughs) Thank you, Jacob. Pay attention. I appreciate it. It's the opposite of the sleepers. Never going to stop making fun of you guys. Um, What is a furious love? I liked that idea. What does it mean to be a furious love? One time I said this to a lady. I was like, yeah, I really appreciate you fiercely loving me. She thought I meant she was in love with me. His older layers, like, it's not what I meant. I'm sorry. Turned into a big ordeal. I don't mean that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what it meant. I like the idea of it. It's a love that refuses to quit, that pursues over any obstacle, right? It's the kind of love that says, I don't care what you do. I am not going to let go. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I, I don't care what the world does. I don't care how much people hate me for it. I will not stop. It's a love that overcomes selfishness. It's a love that's willing to go into the deepest, darkest places. See, here's the problem. Some of you in the room are going, all right, I know where this is going. I already, I do this. I furiously love people. No, you don't. You furiously love, you might even furiously love people everyone than every, better than everyone else except for yourself. Because when you're constantly worried about how you look, whether you're offended, whether someone made you look stupid, whether you were disrespected, all of those things that your mind, you've got to stand up for yourself because the world's going to walk over you, blah, blah, blah. You don't love Because inevitably, at some point, there's going to be a choice. Will I elevate myself or someone else? Which one's love? It's the love that goes to the deepest, darkest places. It's the love, you know, (laughs) it's the kind of love that furiously loves despite the world, what the world would do or say. The love that loves, even when not loved back. It's passionate. It's unending, right? Happily ever after. It's the ever after kind of love. That kind of love is what motivates the people I just described. It's not what characterizes the church. Now, here's the here's the thing before we go on. And this, again, believe it or not, the point isn't calling out the church, though I might as well do it here a little bit. Before we sit and point fingers at the church, the church is made up of Christians. If you're a Christian in the room, you're part of the problem. And if you got grumpy at me just now, I'm prove my point. I told you I want to talk about love today. I'm not talking about love and marriage. I'm not going to talk about your call to love others. I kind of did that, but that's not really. Today, I don't want to even try to make you really act better. I don't want to do that today. I don't want to tell you to stop sinning, though you should. You should quit sinning because it's just going to destroy your life. I love you enough to tell you that. No, today I want you to know something. I want you to know that God furiously loves you. furiously loves you. I'll tell you how silly Christianity is. There's a song. Everybody heard a song called Reckless Love? Raise your hand if you've heard it. Some of you in the room, I may offend right here too. I don't mean to. We can talk after because I'm sure you have, you have a meaning for this. There's a thing within Christianity kind of movement where they're like, God's love isn't reckless. That's a stupid song and it's not theologically strong. right? Well, here's the secret. You haven't read the dictionary. Because what they're implying, right? I get the argument. Well, God can't be reckless because he's in control. Really? Is it reckless actually means I'm going to do something knowing that there may be a cost to me. What did Jesus do? He died on a cross for you and me. From a human perspective, even though he knows whether you're going to reject him or not, God can know and you still have free will. That's a whole other topic. What kind of love is it to say I'm going to offer you love? and relationship, even though you might reject it. Reckless in that way. So if you're one of those people, maybe think of it that way. That's the kind of thing, even in Christianity. We can't even appreciate a song called Reckless Love because it's not theologically incorrect. (laughs) Read a dictionary. Read a book. Right? I'm going to hear a bunch of theologians that are smarter than me make this argument, by the way. Don't matter. Dictionary. Right? Take it up with Merriam-Webster. Here's the secret, and what I want to talk about today is God furiously loves you. You're going to make me mad. Throw a podium. Wake up and pay attention because this is important. It's as important as anything else when I talk about homosexuality. It's as important as when I talk about marriage or pornography. It's just as important because it affects your ability to live this life. It is not your love for God that is going to get you through the hard times and the persecution that's coming. It is coming. It is coming. People ask me all the time, are we in the end times? Does it matter? We're in tough times. And tough times requires perseverance and endurance. It is not going to just be your love for God that gets you through those moments. It's going to be your realization and understanding of God's love for you. What is hope? Hope is the realization that even when it's darkest, he's coming. This is why we have a problem in the church. Unless I'm saying something offensive to you, so you have some reason to get emotionally excited one way or the other. Right? Because you think you know. That's the problem. Remember what we said in 1 John. Know and believe. 1 John 4.19 says this. We love because he first loved us. I'm coochie, coochie, I love my baby. Boo, 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 right? I'm t- that's you to your wife, by the way, not to the, your daughter. I love making fun of you guys because you're all tough. I'm hard. I love you, pookie, right? I know how you are. Yeah, don't even, man, I'm going to put some secret cameras around. You tough guys. Moo, 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 moo. moo. Yeah. <laughs> right? <clears throat> that love you have for her, even though I make fun of you, it's good, right? Moo, 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 moo. Moo, moo, moo. That love you have, right? That love you have your concept of it. It's not because you're naturally good. It's because God's loved you. You ready for this? First John 4, 19 tells us that our ability to love like the examples I gave is because God first loved us in that way. You want to know why the story about the disabled daughter matters if you saw it, unless you are a cold-hearted person? Some of y'all cold-hearted people. That's, again, why you need to hear this. It's because <clears throat> you know that that's real love, the most pure form of love. And that's why I'm not a huge, like, we need to translate into Hebrew and Latin. Like, if we can't understand it in English, then what's the point of having it in English? But one of the things I think is important is I do like the fact that the Bible and other languages, there are different words for different kinds of love because it helps us understand. Right? We as Americans know that in context. If I, if you say moo, "moo moo moo," I love my wifey. That's different than when you come up to me, I hope, and say, "I love you, Todd." Right? <laughs> right? I hope. <clears throat> you said that too. F- uh, you said that too fast. <laughs> why you to say it? So why you? Why? Nobody was. Nobody called you out. You had to say it. Now I'm going. Mm. Who said that, Raven? No, <laughs> Fred. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, whoever said that, mm, anyway, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Anyway, it's because you know that, or, or the kind of love that, that sees someone stand up for someone or sees someone go into a dangerous thing, it's because we know that that kind of love is the kind of love that doesn't, you know, agape, God is love, agape, a love that has no benefit to me. It's just because I love you. Take a moment and let it sink in that it says God loves you that way. God agapes you. Let that sink in that the holy, all-powerful creator of the universe loves you. Now, here's the question, even for the hardest of hearts, and the reason you're hard-hearted, most of you, if you're a believer particularly, is because you've been hurt, right? And I don't blame you. You have to protect yourself because ain't nobody else going to protect you, right? But see, here's, here's the rub. Here's where the rubber meets the road for guys like us. We cannot say that we love God. We cannot say that, right? If we can't accept his love for us. Because if we do, we're saying we love better than him. Take a moment, let it in. What if you actually believe that God furiously loved you? What would that mean about everything we think about this whole Christian thing? The kind of love that you're looking for in that other guy or girl? What if God just loved you just starting there like that, what you want? how could it change our view of the Bible? How would it change God's call to live a holy life or when he tells you to stop sinning? What if you actually believe God loved you in a way that was like all of the examples I just gave, but better than that? Because he's not insecure. He's not worried about whether or not you're, oh, did you disrespect me. Because he loves you. What if you actually believed that God loved you in a way, like all those examples, but better? Because here's the secret, friends. He does love you that way. The Bible says everlasting, unending, ever after. What does it mean to accept that God loves you that way? Well, it goes countercultural. You'll have to choose to believe this, even when some really strong theologians tell you otherwise. See, I've come to the point where I am going to start being We've talked about this as church leaders. I'm going to start. I used People think that I like like to offend people. I don't. But I'm going to start offending. Because as things get harder and harder, I've come to the place that what I think is heresy has become a lot broader than I used to think. What's heresy? That's real things that aren't true. There's a lot of people out there sitting on their high horses in churches calling out all the unbelievers for their sins and their mistakes. And I'm going, hmm, you preach a gospel that says that my salvation is contingent on me. That's heresy. Did you know that? If if your salvation is contingent on you, and this is why I'm going to mess with some of you, if you can lose it, if you can lose something you never earned, who's God and who's not? How far does the cross go? What does it say to tell someone, you're saved unless you do this? I don't care what you've been taught. Show me. It doesn't. Anyway, it's a whole different topic. Here I am. i got to fiercely love. What does it mean that God fiercely loves you? Let's think about it. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. Ah, this is the big marriage one. It is beautiful, and we do hope it's a good. It's not Eros, though. When you translate this, Eros is that gooshy, woo-woo-woo love. The kind of love the guy back there was defending himself against me. The love he has for me. Right? I'm just kidding. Right? That kind of love, love, love stuff. Right? That's called romantic love. It's Eros. When this is translated, this isn't Eros. This is Agape. Okay, so it's still beautiful. Listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, unrighteous, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That's beautiful. It's literal. It is the kind of love that we are called to do. It's a kind of love that only a Christian can give. I'm going to say it right now. Only a Christian can love like this because they're the only ones empowered to do so. Well, there's some people in the world that really love that way. Yeah, but they even get something selfish out of it because we're talking about that they're loving people. You get what I'm saying? We can take identity even from being a loving person. It's not unselfish like that. Now, I'm going to say something different. I'm sure you've heard this, but it's still powerful, right? God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. He's not boastful. He's not arrogant. God is not rude. God does not keep a record of wrongs for those he loves. God is love, right? I said it earlier. God is love. God is agape. Agape is this. Guess what that means? That God has to have these traits. God's, God's love bears all things, it believes all things. God hopes all things, he endures all things. God's love never ends, ever, for those that he loves. Who does he love? Well, we talked about in 1 John, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. You have said, even though the world tells me it's crazy, I believe you. That's the trade off. Belief's not emotion. Can't be. All right, so we're going to kind of talk about a couple things. I, I don't have it up here for you. Been you know, crazy. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about God's love and then we're going to contrast. It's a big word, Blake. All right, it means, right? Show the opposite sort of. We're going to contrast that with the world's view of that. Make sense? I'm going to go to sleep too. All right? Does that make sense? Thank you. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are like, why is he begging for. You come up here and preach this and look out and see people going, okay? You need a, I need a little something, something. I get why the southern guys goes, can I get an amen? Because I just want to know you're awake. That's really all it is. They don't care about it, they just want to know you're awake. All right? Can I get an amen? Thanks. <laughs> all right. So, what does it mean? What does it mean that God fiercely loves you? Well, it means that if you're his, if you put your faith in him, right, it means what? It means he will pursue you. You want to know what pursue means, Raven? It means like when you're chasing me at the basketball and you can't catch me. <laughs> That's what it's like. It's what it's like, right? Right? <laughs> Except, and I'm going to be delusional like he's going to say, right? You do catch me, right? You're going to pursue me until you get the ball. doesn't happen, but you try. And whereas God, God does get there. He pursues. It means you're his. He will pursue you. How do I know that? Luke 15, 3 through 6 says this. Then Jesus told them this parable. Here's the reckless love. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Notice what he doesn't do. Once he finds his sheep, he kicks it in the head, slaps it, chokes it for leaving, says, You stupid sheep, I hate you. Let's go home. I'm going to take you back to the herd, but you're never going to really belong. He doesn't do that. Right? But do we not? What's the kind of love we show in church? Someone's wandered off, someone's sinned. They even say, I've sinned, I messed up, help me. Great, when you can make your way back here, we'll let you back in the 99. We'll let you back in the 100. God goes to those people. He pursues you. How do I also, listen to this, Psalm 23, 6. This is beautiful. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The word translated follow here, right, will pursue me, will follow me. Words often translate follow. It means something kind of stronger. It sort of means, you like this, David, I will ruthlessly pursue you. I will not stop. I'm going to hunt you down to bring you home. That's not scary. It's only scary if you think he's going to kick you in the head, right? Drag you home, tell you how bad of a sheep you are. But that's not. That's not it. Sometimes I have to give like a human example. You ever had your dog run out and you're so mad in that moment, right? Your dog runs away and he gets hit by a car. Do you come out and stomp its other leg so it's broken? No. Those of you, you pick your dog and go, oh man, you don't even think about the fact that it ran away anymore. All you're thinking about is I wanna take care of my dog. And yet we don't think God loves us even as much as you love Fido. Key word is if you're His. Because you don't go out and necessarily do the same thing. Some of you do, some of us do, right? If you see some stray dog, you don't stop for every stray dog. You might want to. Are you his? There's a difference, right? There's a difference. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. If that's true, if his goodness and his love, goodness means he's got good for you. But things aren't going well so far. But what if that's not the end of the story? He won't give up on us i read an article one time and i like it he will quote doggedly pursue us with love i'm not gonna quit i'm that bloodhound i'm gonna find you and i'm gonna bring you home all Right? even if again the dog's a good example we chase those suckers all around town right right why or guys when your woman was gonna break up with you at one time boop, 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 boop. Right? You chase her around, you call her. By the way, I'm making fun of it. It's still beautiful, right? But that's the kind of love, right? You don't give up. I love you. I don't know if you do. Well, I give up. No. <laughs> Let's contrast that with culture. What does the culture say about love? Listen, culture says in the church too, but partic- in the world especially, love is temporary and it's based on conditions. If you really love them, you'll let them leave. It's based on conditions. Hey, using the story of the woman I told you, I'm not saying it's wrong, right? I'm not saying, I'm saying each case is different. I'm saying, you know, God says that, that you know, marital betrayal is a reason to leave, but he also says that's not the way it was from the beginning, That that covenant. But it says, okay, the example I gave of the woman, she could have said he's done it over and over, and she didn't focus on what he did to her. She had focused on her promise to him. That's hard. That's not to shame anyone. Hear me. But my point is, that's the kind of love we all really want, right? Culture says love is temporary based on conditions that once you go too far, I'm not coming. God says I will always come. <clears throat> what else? How does God fear us? He loves us. What does it mean? It means he's jealous for you. <gasps> love is not jealous, says Instagram. Right? Instagram tells you love is not jealous. A jealous man, right, ladies? He's not a real man. If he really was a real man, he'd let me go to the club with all my girlfriends because I just like to go to the club just to hang out with my girlfriends. Liar. Right? I'll just tell you right now, you ain't going to the club. Why you dr- if you just go out with your girlfriends, why you got all that makeup on and that nice-looking dress? What do you mean? I just like to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. I know you feel good about yourself. That's when you're in your pajamas with your ice cream. you got a different plan tonight. Right? That's a fact. Well, Instagram told me that a man that does that is controlling. Is it or is he loving you? If I have a pet rabbit, anybody ever had a pet rabbit? I have not. (laughs) But I'm assuming they're very nice pets. You're going to take it out and throw it in the middle of a pack of wolves and say, I love you. No. No. Let me tell you, ladies, this is important. Guess what's crazy about your, your husband, your significant other one? They're like, hey, I'm not saying creepy trying to like grab you by the, I'm never gonna let you leave. That's what I'm talking about. But the guy who like cares a little is like, yo, I don't know if you should wear that kind of thing. Do you wanna know why they, what they know? Because they know how wolves are. You know how? Because they're a wolf. You're not a wolf. They love you. Now someone again to say this because someone's going to cut this. I don't mean they should lock you in a cage, all that weird stuff. At the end of the day, you have control. But loving you is telling you, hey rabbit, the wolves will eat you. Don't go there. Right? He is jealous for you. What does that mean? He will not share you with other gods. He will not let you build your life around things that will fail you. He won't. He can't. He's too, I'm not going to, it's so funny, man, like we, jealous has, immediately when I said jealous, right, depending on, I mean, every, mostly the women, but God, like, ugh, jealous men, they're the worst, okay, sure, I've seen the opposite, true too, he doesn't care what I do, right, jealous, God is a jealous God, if your husband or your significant other, let's use that as example, and again, <clears throat> not creepy control, that's not jealous, okay? I'm just looking, no looking look anyone in particular, but, right? <clears throat> but if you're, jealousy is just a form of love. Of course I don't want you with someone else. If Tim loves you, Jill, he's not going to want you hugging all over somebody else, or somebody hugging on you. He could, that, that's reality. We know that to be true, and I already know you ain't want no girl hugging, loving up on him, right? Or even me, right? <laughs> he, <laughs> He's jealous for you. He will not share you with other gods. He will not let you build your life around things that will fail you, which is what happens when we worship other things. So when I tell you things that God says, which is you can't even let your family, your wife, your job, your religion, none of it can take my place. Not because he doesn't want you to love your husband or family. I poke the ones that make you mad because that's what Jesus tended to do. So like family is one that in Christianity is like, this man says to hate your family. No, but in comparison, You cannot build your life on anything that takes his place. Not because he's cold and uncaring, but because he loves you. Because they will fail you. What if it's, it's not even the fact that like he is jealous for you because you are his and he is yours. He knows you. You know that. Why? He's not going to share you. Which means he's not going to let you be comfortable worshiping other idols. He's not. And I'm talking to the Christians. Non-Christians, the same is true for you. How's it been going following all your other idols? How's life worked out following that relationship, that warm body, the drugs, the bottle? How's it work out? You don't even know him yet. And it already shows what happens when you put your faith in things that are going to let you down. Faith is building your life around it. All right, we contrast that with culture. Culture. I just saw that this morning, ironically. To love is to share, man. Where do you think things like polyamory come from? Anyone know what that is? Raise your hand. Polyamory. Raise your hand if you don't know what it is. Learning day, right? Polyamory is a thing where they're defining relationships against. You know what monogamy is? Monogamy is, right, kind of the love between two people. I'm going to be monogamous. One person. Polyamory is like, we're a group. We're a thruple. I don't remember what it's called, right? Multiple people and this lady in a social media post was describing. He's like, "Here's how you have healthy boundaries in the relationship in my polyamory." And they're famous polyamory is like we five of us live in a house and we're all loving each other. That's what they call it. They've now given it a fancy name. Hey, man, love is to share. Let the bird fly away. If you love them, you'll let them fly. Right? You don't say you've heard that? We'll open the cage because that's love. Be yourself, and I'm okay with it. Love whatever or whoever you want. And God says, no. <clears throat> Three, how does God furiously love you? i got to move fast. He won't let you settle. Use my daughter again, you know. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, being 18, having a daughter. I, th- I think about life. You know, and what's going to happen when she gets some Most That's the ridiculous part of the whole sermon. That's crazy, man. Anyway, she, you know, she gets married someday, and it's like, dude, I used to be that guy. It's so funny. Dads, you probably remember this. This is hard to admit. I, I now understand why that one girl's dad didn't like me. <laughs> I do. And I wasn't even that bad, but I'm saying from what I showed him, right? If I see a dude that never wants to talk to me ever, wants to sneak in, take my daughter out, sneak out. I'm going to go, hmm. <laughs> Why is he avoiding me, right? <clears throat> I don't want to let her settle. If I could choose, I'd pick like the, I don't know, king of something. Then the kings are crappy too, but you know what I mean. I'd pick some perfect guy. Why? Because I love her, not because I'm controlling. All of God's standards, all of his warnings, all the things he calls us to fight in ourselves all stem from his love. We are made for better things. So you know how I can sometimes feel like, man, every time I feel like I've taken a step, I'm shown an area I need to improve? Exactly. You are a king or queen made in the image of your father. He is not going to let you slum at the docks. He's not going to let you stay in that place that you're comfortable. You are made for more, and he will not let you settle because he loves you. Not because his love is contingent on that, right, contingent on you being good enough, but because you are who you are, you're his child, he's never going to stop. He's never going to let you settle. And settling even means that half-life fake Christianity that you might be comfortable in. He wants a dynamic living relationship with you. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give him life and to give it to the full. I've come to give you life to the full, abundant life. Abundant life isn't sitting with that TV dinner in front of the TV waiting to die. That's not abundant life. And that's why we're uncomfortable and miserable in those moments unless what? We drug ourselves with TV or alcohol or whatever else. He won't let you settle. Like a parent who refuses to allow their son or daughter to live in drug use, he will not let us settle for shallow shadow puppets, cheap imitations of the real thing. He's not going to let you settle for relationships that aren't right. That's why you know and you hide parts of your relationship from people that are believers, you do it because what? You know intrinsically something's not right about how I'm living this. And even me saying that, you know, a lot of people, they run away and it's like, listen, my love for you is not contingent. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not even saying I did that perfectly because I haven't. Success that hinges on deceit. Success at the cost of your family, success at at the cost of being a shady person, a person that lacks integrity, all of these things. He is not going to let you settle for that. That's why his word tells us that. How do you contrast that with culture? Well, love is about making you happy and giving you what you want. That's love. That's why I can't stand. I'm a weird thing. I used to to hate, I shouldn't say this, church people. Y'all made me so freaking mad. All right? Not because you're imperfect, because I got that part. I got me being imperfect. I just didn't get how you say you believe this and fall asleep or don't care. I don't get it. Because I was old enough to know what it is to not know God. And I'm sitting here going, you were raised in this. And you, hate, and you don't want to live it. I'm not saying like try and fail. I'm saying you just don't care. You think you're in the house by association. I'm over here going, man, I am so thankful to be here. I suck. And you're like, I'm good. You're not. It drove me crazy. Love is about making you happy and giving you what you want. That even happens within the church. God's love means I can just be comfortable and show up and do nothing for the next 30 years. That's not true, man. That's not even the life you want. God tells us to do things and tells us not what to do, not because we have to keep up to his standard. It's because who we are Right? In him is the standard. Like It's not trying to earn. It is, this is what you are. A dog acts like a dog because it's a dog. You are called to act holy because you are holy. And he's not going to let you settle. That happens in church all the time. The easiest way to grow a church is to tell people that God loves them right where they're at. And this is a twisting and he's okay with what they do and where they are. And as long as I tell you that every week and don't tell you that he also has ex- expectations that come with your birthright, then you'll come. The moment I tell you that you're sinning, you leave, even though I'm not the one that created. It. You don't think we could, I could be, a, we could be a mega church. Come on now. You can, that could happen. You just got to tell people what they want to hear. Wear tight pants, right? Be a hipster. I'm t- am I wrong? Like, look on Instagram. Got the deep V down to here? Right? I'm a button down to here, I'm good. Where are you going, Bree? I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, fine, I gotta move on, right? What else? How, how does God furiously love us? He will not let you, and this is huge for believers. I got some good news and some bad news. It's both. God furiously loves you so much, that he will not let you be separated from him. Oh, man. Why is that good news and bad news? Because he won't stop. When you've chased, when you've ran away, when you try. You know, Jesus said, I will never let go of one of these ones you've given me. That's such a powerful image. He says that in John 14, 15, something like that, the Gospel of John. What's beautiful about that is even when you're trying to squirm away, Having a daughter, people bring that up all the time. Why do you talk about kid? Because you get that whether or not she tries to squirm away all the time when I'm holding her in the air. If I just let her go, you guys would call me terrible dad. She's squirming. I went down and I just go, okay. No. I'm going to hold on. God is going to hold on to you. He won't let you be separated from him. If we live in, listen, some of you all in this room, you live in sin and then complain about being miserable. You ain't listening, AJ. You live in sin, Todd's favorite? That's what everybody thinks, right? If we live in sin and then complain because we are miserable and we blame him. God's conviction, that misery you feel in the midst of that sin, that's why you keep running to different women. Maybe I'll find a woman that can make that go away. It ain't going to happen. Maybe I can find a guy that'll make me feel good enough that I you know it won't matter that I'm continuing to live in this. God's conviction is motivated not out of wanting to make you miserable. It's motivated out of his love. He will not let you be separated from him and he will not let you. Another example. You love your dog? Anyone want to have a dog they love? Here's what you should do. Let your dog run into the road, okay? And just live there just live in the road what if it wants to live in the road there's some treats there you're gonna just throw it out on 30 right now you good with that don't make me come to your house and get your dog you good with that why not but the dog wants to be there you ever seen the dog sometimes you're driving on the road and they're just strolling down the middle of the road like they own it like i'm fine and you're going cars are swerving there's fire everywhere right Have you ever seen that i've seen that some random guy one of you that loves animals more than anything stops in the middle of the road and is walking to try to get the dog that's the same thing listen God is not going to let you stay somewhere. Even if you think you're happy, that isn't good for you. He's not going to let you be separate from him. He's not going to let you go where you want to go. Just because you want to go, he won't do it. Contrast that with culture. Love has limits. I've heard that. There's a line, right? There's, There's a place when we give up on people. I was in the church. This is so evident in the church. I love you like God loves you but you did that really bad sin that makes the church look bad now, so yeah, I love you, and love means I'm gonna let you come in the building, but you get to sit in the chair with a big scarlet letter in it. You know what that means? No one, you gotta read a book. It means, right, you are your sin. They'll let you come in, but you're never allowed to be a part of it again. I've heard people tell me, and if this is your story, I'm not saying your name, but to be told because you know, you're know you divorced, you can never serve on a worship team. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. I'll say it right now disgusting i'm not even talking about in that church and in a sinful way we're talking about in the past right your past you come you want to serve god and you can't serve him anymore what does that say about god's love when we set a culture like that we're not talking about people we're talking about in the past right love has limits there's a line when we give up on people and we want them separated you know it's true. We all know it's true. Why do you think churches get rid of people? Why do you think a pastor that fails in sin immediately is fired? Well, he could stay. You already know that ain't true. We want it gone. <clears throat> Finally, how will God fiercely love you? He will forgive you even if others and yourself can't or won't forgive you. You are forgiven in Christ. I'm going to easy, very simple. Guys, there's no limit. There is no limit to his forgiveness. Peter comes up and says, how many times I got to forgive my brother? He's done the same thing. Seven times, that's pretty good, right? And some of you all in the room, seven times would be a lot. I'll slap you in the face, and I'm going to come apologize to you every day this week. And let's see if on day six you're still going, I forgive you. Because I ain't forgiving you at that point, right, in my flesh. I'm flinching every time you come. He will forgive you even if others and yourself won't forgive you. And we can contrast that with culture. I can do that in two words. Cancel culture. When you have failed and you have sinned in a way that other people see, because it's okay if it's secret, I'm not forgiving you anymore. The church does the same thing. God never cancels us. You know, all of you, St. Peter and St. Paul and these great people and great King David, these are horrible humans. If King David came here, you would have fired him a long time ago. I'm not saying that to justify his sin or to justify the sins of a person. Sin is wrong, but your love and your forgiveness should not be contingent on that. Your desire for it. By the way, stop waiting to feel forgiving. Stop. That's not how it works. Forgiving someone and loving someone this way is the same thing as you gotta kill your flesh, carry your cross, it's hard. If not, everybody would do it, you understand? You You can't change the standard of God's love because it's hard. Just going to come play some music. I want to give you the last one. This is important for some of you in the room that aren't Christians. Though it's important to be reminded, those that are, that are in the midst of a. Me, I was in a scary place, man. And I didn't want to believe it. And maybe, you know, I don't want to talk about if it had went the other way. You know, God knows my heart, I guess. I'd like to think I hold on. But how does God Furious love us? He will save you. I'm going to say that again. He will save you. You mean right now in this thing I'm in? He will save you. He's coming. In the midst of the darkest places, in the brokenness, and the shame, and the hurt, and the pain, and the destruction that you may have caused in your own life when it looks like I have messed everything up. I've been there. And I'm not even going to lie to you and tell you that, like, you you might have messed things up. You might, have, you might have broke most of the walls in the house. The windows are shattered. It don't look good. I'm not gonna lie to you. That wouldn't have helped me, right? When last broken, it's not a big deal. Maybe it is a big deal. Here's what I can tell you. God hasn't forgotten you. God is still coming. He is going to come over and over and over again. That's who he is. It's the nature of his love. In that brokenness and shame right now, in the shambles of your life, a holy God, just like he did the first time he saved you in the sin, he doesn't stop. He's going to go into the muck and sin and brokenness of your life to save you. Why? Because he will fiercely love you. He will furiously love you. You don't believe that. That's why you get mad at everyone. Because anytime someone reminds you that that you're not lovable and you're not good enough, then, well, I gotta lash out. We contrast that with culture. Hey, save yourself. No one's coming. Love has limits. God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the scripture. God helps those who can't help themselves. Jesus told the Pharisees when they said, hey, I'm not blind like that guy. And they said, man, he said, if you were blind, I could help you. Could heal you but because you say you can see i can't help you i didn't come right for the healthy and the righteous i came for the sick i came for the sinful and i came for the broken and here's the secret no matter how good we think we are in contrast to a holy god man i'm always lacking you know i'm always that sinner and we know that deep down unless you're an arrogant pharisee that's part of the struggle is that we know we're not good enough and we're waiting for the day when we feel good enough for him it's not going to happen That's why knowing that God loves us is separated from believing. You got to choose to believe that and then live out of that. If you really believe that, okay? If I believe that God loved my daughter more than I do, and this is, I don't want to say this to you, but if I believe it, then I would trust him with the outcome regardless. That's why David, you know, David, the first child of Bathsheba died. And before that, he was crying, he was praying. And after that baby died, he stopped. And they go, why'd you stop crying now? And he goes, because it's over now. I'm going to see my child again someday. That's why David was a man after God's own heart, is the trust he had. You think the pain went away magically? No, he just chose to live out of hope of, like, it's not over. Now at least I'll know I'll see him. I will see my baby. I will see my child. Everything he, was, he or she was supposed to be, Right? If I believed that God loved me that much, then my worry wouldn't have been as strong. It's just a reality. I would have worried. He understands that. But the doubts that I had, the way my faith was shaken, because I guess deep down, I think he doesn't love her as much as he loves me because I know, because of the way I think he loves me, right? He doesn't love me enough to save me in that because I don't deserve it. No one will come. God helps us up themselves. I hear this all the time. Oh, here's another sermon about God's love because it's so foundational. It's so fundamental and you don't live out of it. And out of that lack of knowing God's love is why you're snotty. That's why you're arrogant. That's why you're unforgiving. That's why you're a punk all the time. It's because you're protecting yourself. You're trying to keep this guard up. You're trying to keep this persona because God doesn't really love you. So you gotta make sure that you're taking care of yourself. How far will God's fierce love go? Well, listen, friends, he's already showed you. He furiously loved you all the way to the cross. This much. So I guess I'll leave you with this today. I know your Taco Bell will still be there, I promise. What if you lived your life under the belief that God loved you fiercely, furiously, ever after? We're happily ever after. That's the promise. Your story ends with happily ever after. Did you know that? That is how your story ends. That's the crazy part about this. We're always worried about the middle. It's rough in the middle. That makes the good stories sometimes. <laughs> the end though, you already know it and it ends happily ever after. What if you believe that? Do you see now why it's part of culture wars? Because your love for everybody else, it's it's gonna stem and start with how much do you really believe God loves you? You know, some of you say, well, I love really well. Yeah, you love really well because you think God doesn't love you, so you gotta do it to keep up. You gotta earn your place. The message is for you too. Rest in his love. You don't love to keep his love. You love because he loves. Go listen to that later. (laughs) and then I want to ask you this if you believe that are you willing to now and I told you I wasn't going to call you out but I kind of am are you willing to choose to love like God even when the church tells you that's wrong will you stand with the broken would you stand with King David after he sinned would you stand with Peter would you accept Saul the Avenger would you accept him in your church Because if you can't accept your brother who failed, if you can't furiously love them like that, then the answer is no, no matter what you tell yourself. Can you love your husband that way? If the answer is no, then I found the limit of your love. I love doing marriages, believe it or not. A lot of people don't. I like the ceremonies. I kind of get choked up. A lot of allergens in the room. It's not because I think it's a perfect love story. Complete opposite. I choke up because of the promise that's made. That's the beautiful part. Because I know it ain't going to be, right? Sometimes I'm looking at the couple going, they think it's going to be perfect. I'll see them in a couple months, right? (laughs) But it's the promise. It's the promise that they're not going to let go. Are you willing to help change the culture? Will you fight the culture war in the way that you accept God's love for you even when you don't feel it? How can I stand up here and say that God loves you and forgives you no matter what? Is he doing it because he, you know, he's defending himself and his own mistakes in his past? blah, 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 kinda? Because if it's not true of me, then I know you're gonna walk home and say it's not true of you. You're to set culture. And if you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus or don't know God, you probably hate Christians. I, I get it. I, sh- I was there too. I struggle myself, still do. Here's the thing, and I mean this. Christians get a bad rap. They're not perfect. And most of the time, the ones that speak for us are the crappy ones that don't give a crap. <laughs> right? That's because the ones that love God, we let them set the culture. We let these fake Christians tell us what Jesus is about because we want to keep the peace. You have to fight In your silence, someone else is speaking for him. And someone else has probably lied to you in the room and told you that God doesn't love you because of the sin you have made, the drug addiction you have, uh, what you've done in your past, or maybe even what you're doing in your present. God can't love you right now, but what did I say at the beginning of this? That in the midst of your sin, God loves you and he offers you a chance today that is no different than the chance he offered the most perfect person in this world. Here's the gospel, everybody's messed up. And the choice boils down to, do we accept God as Savior or not? And as humans, we've rejected, we've rejected God as God. And because of that, all sin, all the bad things we do come out of that. Because on our own, we make a mess of things. Thousands of years of human existence told us that. We see it today. We, you want us to know how bad we are as people on our own? God gave us 10 rules and said, just don't, okay, you think you're good, do these 10. We break those every day at least one of them so when we aren't good enough to get to him god had a plan to get to us he came down he invaded this earth jesus of nazareth existed jesus christ god's one and only son god made flesh he existed he performed miracles he proved who he was not only in the miracles but in the fact that he conquered death he died on a cross it's a fact the earth shook there was an eclipse and then that could have been the end of the story, and he was just a crazy person. But three days later, he rose from the dead. Over 500 witnesses saw that. He didn't only tell you he was God, he proved it to you today. So that when you make the decision I'm going to give you the opportunity to make, you can do it in confidence. How do I get love like this? How do I allow myself to be furiously loved by God? It's very simple. You've got to love God enough to say, you're God and I'm not. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me for the sins that I've done. I turn away from my way. Even if I don't know the perfect way, I turn away from living life my way, and I turn to you. Right now, you person that doesn't know anything about Jesus or church or anything, all you have to do is make that decision. Is Jesus Christ who he said he was? If you're willing to believe that, then today can change forever. Your eternity can change Whoever you are, whatever you've done can be forgiven if you're willing to make that one choice. I'm not God, he is. I believe you, Jesus. Turn away from your life. Commit to living life differently. Even if you don't fully know what that means, he knows your heart. And if you do that, the Bible says, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Will you follow him? That's it. You're gonna get an opportunity today. Whether you haven't loved well in the room and you need to repent, Christians, whether you haven't allowed God to love you well and you want to or whether you're in the room and you're not a Christian but you wanna know the kind of love I'm talking about, the kind of love that no matter how many bodies you put in that role, it doesn't fit that hole. That's because the hole's meant for him. Don't leave the same as you came in. There's gonna be people up here praying with you. It doesn't matter the time, who cares? Today's the moment you've been given. Don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.